Okay. Well, shit. Uh, should we start our what? What? How do we do this? Wow, it's been so long. It has been long. It's been long because we've been. Um, well, I've been spiraling um, in and out of a depression, but I. What? <laughs> I feel. I feel good now. I feel okay. I feel hopeful. Um, I, I. It has to do with this week's past. You know the events that have been going on, which has been the election. And yeah. the lack of election, the the <laughs> the like days of not knowing purgatory. what was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely purgatory. purgatory. Yeah. yeah, I too have been spiraling in and out of depression, and um, we've been we've been mates in that. I really appreciate your kinship <laughs> in um, the distress that is 2020. The nearing the end of 2020. I don't know if it'll ever end, though. It feels like it's just no. going to keep going on and on. Like, this is this is it, you know? This, too, <laughs> shall never pass. This, too, shall be. Yes! <laughs> this, too, shall be permanent. <clears throat> Enjoy. <laughs> but we were offered some sweet, sweet relief when we found out that Joe Biden is the president-elect. Huzzah! He escaped. So, I mean, it wasn't a narrow win, but it was a narrow win. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of people voted for both people. Yeah, I think that that was what was, like, the driving force of me being so fucking sad. It's because I thought I was for sure, man, this time... This time it's gonna be a landslide, and it it was not. <laughs> no, it, it took was them not at all. Three days. It's like God damn. I, I guess I I truly like didn't realize how ignorant I was about how much hate there still is in this country. Like I know it's there, but I I don't think I fully grasped like the the scale of it like how much like the whole middle of the United States is red yeah like the entire middle of the United States and it's like the Democrats have like the coast of you know each side of the United States it seems like we've got like the coastal regions but then like the whole center of the United yeah. States was red and it was just like man but hey Arizona showed up. Yeah. Thank you, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Pennsylvania. You you killed it. You guys killed it out there. Killing it. Um, Yeah, I have been really amused. I I mean, I was just like numb. I didn't really feel anything. I I did not like cry tears of joy. Like I was watching the news and then all of a sudden it was like breaking news. They're calling it. Joe Biden is the president-elect. And I was like, there we go. And then I like yeah. went into Casper's office and I was like, they called it. And he was like, wow, come here, give me a hug. And I was just like, yep, that's that. Because yeah. um, like, I don't know, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't, it just is. And if it had gone the other way, I also wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah. People, I, I think it's just because like people are like, but the meme pages that I like we were just talking about the abundance of quality memes and especially like (laughs) meme accounts that are choosing to go quote political um and then there are some that like 
are choosing not to. And they're like, well, I want to leave politics out of this. And this election is so unique because it's not, it's no longer about politics. Like, it's about a set of issues. And choosing to vote for Joe Biden, I think, symbolically, we're assuming that it's to vote to acknowledge those issues or to agree that they are issues in the first place. And so I think that's what is so shocking. Like when we say red, it's no longer about like Democrat and Republican, really. It's about, okay, these people are the ones who don't believe that like LGBTQ plus Black Lives Matter, um, you know, immigrants, uh, freedom of religion, all these things. They don't believe that they're issues that need to be like, dealt with in order to help uh, to be addressed yeah yeah, um to help other people they don't like those are not important it just shows like those issues those things don't affect those people at all and so they don't see them as like important issues that need to be addressed because it doesn't it doesn't bother them yeah or they don't want them to be addressed they like them the way they are Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the when people are like, leave politics, I don't want to talk politics. It's like, bruh, we're not talking about politics right now. We're like, talking about Joe- human rights. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like, I think the reason I wasn't like jumping for joy and I wasn't, I mean, partly because I was isolated. So there wasn't like a parade outside of my house that I could go, you know, jump in and feel like a sense of community. It was like, okay, great. We are back to square one. Like now... We yeah. have someone who hopefully will acknowledge these issues and, you know, then through politics, figure out the best way that works for everyone um, to solve these issues. Like mm-hmm. that, that's kind of how I feel about it. So it wasn't like this euphoric relief. It was more just like kind of a steadying and then like, OK, now what's next? Yeah. Like, well, I, I feel that way, too, because it's like. Yay, we have, like, a Democrat in office. There are still kids in cages. Like, yeah. <laughs> there are, <laughs> there's still racism, like, running through, like, the lifeblood of this country. Like, it's still in everything. Yeah. And, like, it's just, not just because Joe Biden is elected, like, those things don't go away. It feels like a huge win, but also, like, a tiny step in the right direction. Like, yeah. we were talking about this yesterday, and it just... Like that is isn't that what you said? Like a it's a giant win, but it's also such a small win. Yeah, it's time. like yeah, it does. It feels big and small all at the same time, and yeah. that's okay. Like both are important to acknowledge, and it is important to celebrate and like be feel positive and hopeful. And like I I do feel hopeful as well. Um, but there are are so many other things, and I think that. Um, I think all of the unrest that we felt, especially for white folks, I think they're ready. I think everyone's ready for it to kind of like be over or to have a breather. And um, the breathers are going to be really small. (laughs) They're going to be really small and you got to keep chugging forward. And I think a lot of people don't really want that. Like, and that's okay. Like, uh, why would you want to suffer and struggle? But like in order to make change, like some... Like you have to turn up your your willingness to suffer a bit, and I think that will be hard for a lot of people, um, like fragile white people who mm-hmm. are 
So we will see. We'll see what the fuck happens. But um, definitely a win, for sure. And um, just some reprieve in the nonsense that is this year. I feel bad. I feel bad for Trump. Not because he lost, but because, like, just seeing how many times he's gone golfing, like, that's clearly his... um, his like, coping mechanism. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, that motherfucker doesn't even know what the fuck to do. Dude, I love the pictures of him crying while he's golfing. Oh, my God. They're I'm sorry, so what? Hilarious. There's, like, pictures of him. Brady was showing me yesterday. He's, like, golfing, and his face is all red, and he's, like, teary-eyed. And I'm like... Oh, honey, no. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I had no idea. Yeah. Man. That's he's funny. like, is this... Is this what it feels like to cry? Like, have you seen have you seen Dr. Horrible's sing along blog? Uh-uh. Oh my god. Okay, well we we need to watch that. But there's this like very hilarious uh superhero that's not really great. He's he's not a good su- superhero. He's just kind of like an asshole mm-hmm. and he gets hurt by the main character who is a super villain. Um and uh, he like falls to the ground. He's like, "Oh my god, is this what pain feels like? Is this pain?" Because he's like uh, this cocky superhero who's never been hurt ever before. And I feel like that's probably what Trump is going through. He's like, "I lost me. This is what pain is." It's like not even uh, probably. I mean, it's not even like like to have people cheering for your loss, you know? Like, to have half of the country being like, yes, and then, like, the internet just tearing your asshole, just eviscerating you. Yeah. Um, And then, like, it just the... (sighs) Smeagol's life was a sad story, you know? I I absolutely love Twitter trolls. They're so fucking good. Have you been seeing... um, Brady, what's his name? The ex uh, mayor of New York, the guy that was in Borat, Giuliani. Giuliani, yeah. Okay, he was like posting on Twitter. He's like, they miscounted and Trump won. Like, this is ridiculous. The Democrats are lying, and everyone is just responding to that post with like the screenshot of him with his hands down his pants, like a po- like Fuck. fixing his shirt in Borat. <laughs> And, like, not even commenting words, just that image, which I love. (laughs) It's like a Twitch chat, just (laughs) spamming it, but it's like a politician's Twitter. Damn, dude. It's so savagery. I know. Americans are fed up. I love meme lords. I love Twitter trolls. They're fucking ruthless and they're hilarious. So I follow Quentin Quarantino. I'm sure you do too. Um, yeah, he's the king. He's the king of 2020 memes. Oh my god, what a what a champ! Um, and he has beef with um, this guy. I don't know. I think I don't know if it's his real name or not. But he goes by Tank Sinatra, and so he runs Tank Good News, and like it's like these positive meme pages that are like let's show positive stuff because this world is so bleak. So let's show all the positive stuff. And uh, Tank has been, like, what I was talking about earlier, has, has been firmly, like, um, nonpartisan in this whole thing. And Quentin just constantly is, like, all you fucking meme pages that are, like, 
not picking a side in this. You're weak or like <laughs> you're, you're pussing out. And so Tank um, posted when uh, Joe was president-elect. Um, he was like, I don't normally post anything political because I think we're bigger than that. But I think this is important to post because it shows that we are on a track to more compassion and understanding. So, and that's a win for us. And the first comment I see is just Quentin posting. And he's like, you're so brave, Tank. (laughs) I was dying. I was gasping. (laughs) I was weary. It was so fucking good. Holy shit. I really enjoyed it. Man. So yeah, it's been fucking nuts, and I'm it happy to be nuts. recording again. Um, Me and I'm too. really excited to talk about this book. Oh man, I'm excited to talk about this book too. This is gonna be the first time that I do a summary. You've done all the summaries so far, so <laughs> I am feeling I am feeling anxious, but also excitement. So. Well, Paris, I didn't finish the book, um, so. <laughs> You, uh, you could say anything. So I, yeah, I, I could tell you know. any ending. You don't even, you, and you don't have to go super specific either. You could go just like basic oh. plot points. Oh, I didn't. I did not. I wrote, I wrote down my summary. I, uh, I wrote the summary as if I was explaining it to someone in like the five minutes before class started and like they didn't read the book and so I'm like trying to tell them everything that happens before the test like that's the kind Thank of summary you. that I wrote I am your procrastinating desperate friend <laughs> who's probably gonna get a higher score than you anyway just Fuck! because that's how life works of course of course I go into too much depth and the teacher's like what are you saying and she you know gives me a shitty shitty score yeah 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 because the teacher's just biased but then I like yeah, write something <laughs> profound, and they're like, "Wow, this is amazing." <laughs> well, I think uh, I think we better begin. Okay, is it fantasy time? I think it's fantasy time. Do you like boys with wings, or maybe horns or tails? Maybe you're into scales. Perhaps you want to be the lizard queen. Do you find yourself attracted to fictional characters, like maybe vampires? Do werewolves make you cream? Then welcome to our podcast. This is the place for you. Freaks and geeks are welcome, and weebs will take you to fantasy. So the book that we're talking about this week is A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. And I found out about this book because they just recently made it into a show on AMC and I guess on Sundance now and Shudder. I have not seen the show. Um, I've seen like trailers for the show and it looks interesting. Um, It's, you know, about vampires and witches and demons and of course my interest was peaked and so were my nipples um (laughs) um, (laughs) and i i knew that it was based on a book so i bought the book at barnes and noble and it's a big book this book is 718 pages long at least my copy is my copy copy is um 580. 580. Oh. 
But Dude, the text is small, man. I was going to say, how small spacing, is your font? Because the spacing is so tiny. I thought that my copy had small font, but fuck. It was disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, I have a paperback copy, the just like small, like eight by five paperback copy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, I have a hardcover. Oh, fancy. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is a, it's a thick She's a thick bitch. And <laughs> and at first, I was really excited and I was really enjoying this book. And then I called you and I said, oh, my God, Fallon, I have found this incredible read. Mm-hmm. I love the setting. I love how spooky it is. Mm-hmm. I like that it has to do with books and tall vampire men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I called you and shared, you know, wanted you to share this book with me. Uh, yes. And... And I have different opinions about it now. <laughs> yes. And I was down. I was like, I, I, you know, vampires aren't really my thing just because I didn't, like, grow up with them, but I have nothing against them. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think the book did, it started off pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think, I, I found, for me, there were some red flags right at the beginning. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I think that that in combination with the small font and just, like, the pages <laughs> of, like, scientific rhetoric yeah just too much for my feeble (laughs) mind to handle um and i didn't make it past page 205 so i mean that's fair that's fair i'm sorry i let you down friend no it's okay it's okay i don't expect you to like force yourself through a book that you really don't like like it's never fun to do that um and there are definitely parts of this book that I really did not like um and I'm prepared to talk about them I have a lot of notes but I think that we should get into the summary yes please okay Diana Bishop she is our protagonist she is a scholar of alchemy and she works at the Bodleian Library in Oxford um she's there she's a witch but she suppresses her witch powers because her parents were brutally murdered when she was younger and she decided that she didn't want to do magic anymore because their deaths had to do with something magical, but she doesn't quite know what. Um, So she's there at the library. She's gathering all of these manuscripts because she's working on this big research project that has to do with alchemy. And she finds this book called Ashmole 782. And she's like, man, this is like kind of a funky book. It's got weird pages that are kind of like shimmery and they have text hidden underneath them and it feels weird when I touch it. And she's like, this book is definitely magical. And so she doesn't want anything to do with it. And she decides that she is going to put it back because she doesn't know how it works and she doesn't want to fuck with magic. And I was like, Ashmole, what is it, Ashmole? Ashmole 782. 782. I kept reading it as asshole 782. (laughs) Every t- it's one letter, one, two it's, letters away <laughs> from asshole. It's really close to being asshole 782. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that would have made the book better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so after Diana finds this book and then returns it to the stacks, all of a sudden all of these creatures start showing up. So she is a witch. But then all these, like, demons start showing up and vampires as well. 
one particular vampire um, shows up as she is reaching for a book and she uses her magic to grab the book from the shelves, which is rare for Diana because she doesn't like to use her magic. She just so happened to use it on something incredibly small, which seemed very trivial and didn't really add much to the plot. But she grabs this book using her magic and Matthew Claremont, the vampire, sees her do it. And thus begins our love affair. Um, he, she finds out that he's a vampire because she can feel it because he's looking at her and it's cold. And which he's hot. I, and he's hot. And he's really tall. You can't miss him. <laughs> he's he's like giant. He's like almost seven feet tall. Um, and... And I think it's cool how whenever a creature looks at Diana, she can feel it because she's a witch. So her senses tell her when she feels some like icy cold patch on her skin, that's because a vampire is looking at her. And when she feels like tingling, it's because a witch is looking at her. And when she feels like kind of a light like kiss or like caress on her skin, it's because a demon is looking at her. So I really liked that. I thought that that was yeah. really creative and imaginative for Deborah Harkness to like include them in the novel. There are a couple things like that that I really liked. She is very creative, I think, as yeah. an author. She comes up with things that like I haven't read about before in other fantasy books. So that I really did appreciate, just the tiny yeah. little details like that. I felt right off the bat she was definitely catering to like your witch fantasies, and oh, I was like, <laughs> yes. "Wow, Paris is living her best life reading this." Like, mm-hmm. I was like, "What a what a treat!" This this <laughs> style of witchcraft and this like like sensory experience of being a witch, which yeah. I thought was um, unique, and and also the demons and vampires, which I was not expecting. Are, I mean, the demons specifically are humanoids. They yeah. look like humans, which mm-hmm. I was I didn't expect that. Like the demons are all just like tortured geniuses. So like uh, historically, like in the book, the demons are always people who like like Mozart probably was a demon, right? Because mm-hmm. he was Van like, Gogh. Yeah, all of all of the artists, all of the people who create, um, or like kind of mad scientists too that like come up with new ideas they're all like most likely demons um and that's kind of like what a demon is they don't have like horns and tails they're just like tortured souls um who like can't really connect with anyone else because they're so like focused in on in and intent on like one specific thing like music or art or science yeah yeah Yeah. Which so I thought was, was cool. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and the demons, they're not they're not like two demons make another demon. It's like humans fuck and then their offspring has a chance of being a demon. You don't yeah. know what the fuck's gonna happen. Yeah. So that was interesting too. Mm-hmm. And it's like rare for a demon to give birth to another demon. It does happen, but it's not uh not super likely to happen. Yeah, so they're just like these unfortunate wild cards. Yeah. That everyone thinks is weird. <laughs> Poor guys. Okay, so all of these creatures start showing up, and Diana is bugging. She does not want anything to do with them. She wants to be left alone because she does not um, embrace her witch powers, and she doesn't want anything to do with the supernatural. Yeah. Uh, but over time, Matthew and Diana begin to grow closer, and they um, they start hanging out. They go to yoga. <laughs> Which you have 
thoughts about, I know. <laughs> because you've told me. What do you think about their yoga trips together? So... <clears throat> Here comes a spoiler, so don't be mad, we've warned ya. You've only got yourself to blame if you keep on listening and learn some things that you really don't want to know. If so, then go. I, I'm sure we will, I will, I will take, I will follow your lead as far as talking about the house and stuff. So I will wait until you're finished with your summary to where we talk about those types of notes. But in regard to the yoga... I was just trying to envision this like unfathomably attractive, <laughs> pale, just like white skinned, just like pudding faced, um, or pasty, I would say, pasty white, <laughs> in, like sculpted man who was like six eight, standing on his head in like a like a gym tee, like a muscle tank. And I just <laughs> could not take it seriously. I could not, like, in in my trying hardest of fantasies, could not <laughs> perceive that to be sexy or and hot or not awkward in any way, shape, or form. Diana's freaking out about it, too. She's like, I looked over during yoga. <laughs> And Matthew was up, completely upside down. Oh my God, so hot. Look at his chiseled arms. And he's just like <laughs> straight up and down, upside down. <laughs> like, it, uh, I think it was a bit jarring. It made me um, feel like I was like, I was playing Sims. And when like your Sim does something weird, like if they get really good at like martial arts or some shit, they can like meditate and do like cool flips and stuff and I just imagined him like kind of floating around like like my sim character oh, um man and so yeah I I don't know it was just weird to me like it it was weird because he is so serious like there's mm-hmm. no there's really not much humor besides like her being like I'm always hungry yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like there wasn't any like comedy or like comedic relief between them there was no like amusement and so him to like unironically just be flexing so fucking hard um it it was cringe it was cringe for me and it kind of took me out of it but that's that's all i have to say about the yoga that's dude i can totally see that but i also was like vibing hard with them going to yoga because they don't just go to any yoga class They go to special creature yoga um, that is led by a demon, right? Is she a demon? Oh, is she a demon or a vampire? Or is she a witch? Maybe she's a vampire. I think she's actually a vampire. It's led by some type of creature. But Uh there are demons there, there are witches there, and there are vampires there, which is like unheard of because a big part of this book is that vampires, witches, and demons do not co-mingle they are Mm -mm. not they are not encouraged to like have interspecies relationships they are not encouraged to be even friends so it's like uh kind of out of the ordinary that matthew takes her to this yoga class that has all three special species of like humanoid creatures yeah matthew does not mind co-mingling uh he does not mind that with the exception of witches so his best bud is a demon 
but his lady is a witch, even though he like fucking hates witches and is like yeah. always shitting on witches and is like they can't keep their fucking mouth shut. They can't mind their own goddamn business. He like loves to generalize and stereotype witches. I'm sure you, we find out why. Yes, we find out why later. Why he hates witches? <laughs> no, he not- just hates. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, like, not that I can recall. There's not, like, one specific event where he's like, I was cursed. No, that really doesn't happen. I think it's, and I have notes on this as well. I mean, is it too early to just say how I feel about Matthew Claremont? No, I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear the whole story. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop, I'll stop interrupting and then we'll go to notes. Okay, okay. Um, so after they go to yoga uh, oh, before that, he stalks her apartment. He, like, breaks into her apartment and goes through her things, which is creepy yeah. as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, classic cool. vampire classic uh, shenanigans. vampire watching her sleep and stuff. You know how it goes. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. So um, Matthew goes to visit his demon friend Hamish, um, who he goes hunting with. And Matthew explains that to Hamish that he believes that the book that Diana found, Ashmole 782, is the key to understanding the lineage and um, survival of humans, demons, witches, and vampires. So he's like, this will tell us everything we need to know about the creation of our species and like why we are the way we are. Because Matthew has this belief that, um, we find out about a little bit later, but we he believes that the species are dying out. He thinks that, like, uh, vampires are not being able to create other vampires as easily, and um, witches aren't able to have babies as often. I can't remember what the, like, shortcoming is for demons, but something is happening with, like, magic and, um, like, the supernatural that is, like, slowly starting to die out. And he thinks that if he can get his hands on Ashmole 782, which tells them about the creation of the species, they can figure out, like, why and maybe potentially how to stop it. So, yes. um, back at the Bodleian, uh, Bodleian, it's the Bodleian, and I don't think it's the Bodleian. No, uh, Bodleian sounds Bodleian, right. thank you. Back at the Bodleian uh, during this time, uh, Diana is there, and there's this other witch that works in the library, and her name is Jillian Chamberlain. And Fucking Jillian, Jillian. Jillian, yeah. She has been trying to get Diana to come to her witch meetings and, like, come hang out with her coven, and Diana doesn't want anything to do with it because Diana doesn't want to be a witch, um, which, again, I don't understand this. I don't get why. Why would you so not ungrateful. embrace your Fucking magical uh, Elaine opponents? complex over here. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. What the fuck? is this so anyways jillian is like hey you asshole you got this special book and you fucking put it back what the fuck also your parents were murdered by witches and diana's like thrown through a loop by this because this whole time she's believed that her parents were murdered by um humans uh specifically like native Africans, Africans, which is like, mm, she was like, oh, those Deborah Harkness. Africans. I don't know they, about that. They killed my white witch parents. <laughs> God damn it! I know. <laughs> Just like fuck. Why? Why, <laughs> Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's not great. And also, of, yeah, this book may have been written by someone who isn't um 
I don't maybe I don't know what to say about Deborah Harkness. I don't really know much about her, but she doesn't include a lot of people of color in her stories. That's no, what I'm there's like to get one light skinned demon, but all yeah. like, but she's depicted as like a psycho, yeah, and like a weird introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's yeah. one. Um, <laughs> There is one person who shows up later in the novel who is described as having skin that's the color of milk with coffee in it. And I'm like, is that your way of saying someone who isn't white? Like, that's still (gasps) pretty white. I don't know, Deborah Harkness. (laughs) And the protagonist, she is, uh, she has, what is it? Corn silk hair. It's like wheat hair or something like that. She's like blonde blue-eyed white and everyone else is white and the author is white psa guys there is this thing there's this amazing thing it's kind of new it's up and coming it's called mindless inclusion it's where you just include people of all shapes and sizes and colors without really thinking about it and without their size or shape or color being the cornerstone of their personality or their story. (laughs) That's what people want. That's what we need. We need mindless inclusion. So we don't need more fucking slave stories. We don't need more stories of like black suffering. And we sure as fucking hell do not need any more stories about black women carrying the whole fucking team because that's what we're doing in the United States. That's real life. We need fantasy (laughs) where people of all shapes and sizes and colors and even genders are just adored for no fucking reason at all. And they get to go on cool, random adventures, luck of the draw, just like all these other white people. Imagine that. Wow. (laughs) Groundbreaking. Fuck. I just, uh, I just. uh, (laughs) I feel, I feel what you just, I feel it. Because I'm watching Harry Potter right now, man. And, like, there's, like, one black kid every movie. And they have, like, a couple lines. And, like, that's it. Yeah. And it's, like, why do... Ah, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> please carry on. Um, please well, deliver us, Paris. I will. I will. I shall. Okay. Okay. Um, so... Diana and Matthew have dinner, um, and it's really intense, um, and they drink really good wine, and um, they just kind of hang out, and their relationship is, like, beginning to develop, and Matthew's learning how to be around uh, a witch, and Diana's learning how to be around a vampire because she has, like, no prior experience being around, um, like, a vampire before. She's been around a she's demon so and she's obviously been around witches. And unexperienced. Oh. <laughs> Teach yeah. me, Matthew. Teach me the ways of the secular flesh. Um <laughs> <laughs> so um let's see, where was I at? They okay, after this they go to Matthew's laboratory, his laboratory, and um he's because like Matthew Dexter. is a is an award winning biologist. Yes, he's like a neurobiologist and also he studies wolves. Um so 
And and what's really interesting about Matthew is that like through his study of wolves, I guess he has like discovered more about being vampire and he like eats the same food that the wolves eat <laughs> and Oh my god, like, I can't wait to fucking talk about that. <laughs> really into nuts and berries. Um <laughs> he just really likes charcuterie boards. So I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here with you, Matthew. I know. I get it, dude. I get the appeal. Oh, you know. Um, so they go to the laboratory. Laboratory. DD, get out. Get out of my laboratory. So they go to Dexter's laboratory and um, they meet Marcus, who is uh, Matthew's colleague. And later we find out his son um, but not like his biological son, his vampire son, because we find out in a later chapter that Matthew turned um, Marcus into a vampire a long time ago, and they've been um, father and son ever since. So Diana gets her blood work done at the lab, and um, who else is there? There's the girl. Uh, oh, God, what's her name? Oh, uh, fucking a little knockoff Omrin. Little teeny Omrin. Yeah, she's there. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, and Diana gets her blood work done, and they're like, we're doing the study on, like, all different kinds of creatures, and we're tracing their lineage and seeing, like, what their genetic predispositions are. So, like, if you were to procreate, like, what you would create, or also, like, who had this trait, back before you and why you have this trait. So they're they're basically doing like the pea pod test or the pea flower test that you do in high school. Did you ever do this? Where no, you do like ma'am. What? Men- it's like, is it Mendel? I think it's Mendel's um, sweet pea flowers. Like if you have a white flower and <gasps> oh a my purple God. flower and you cross them, like and you do the little... I remember now. I remember. I, <laughs> I was never really into biology, so I'm so sorry if you're listening to this and cringing because I can't remember the proper terms for this. But basically, they're learning about genetics. Um, right. That's like all that's important. So um, eventually, Peter Knox, uh, this warlock, threatens Diana. And Peter Knox is this guy that has been. Um, like society sees him as like someone who's really knowledgeable about the occult um and they don't know that he's a witch and like why he has all of this knowledge about like occult things uh it's because he's a warlock but people don't know so he uh comes to the bodleian and he threatens diana and um uh he has jillian send diana this picture of her parents, uh, and it's, like, when they were killed. So her yeah. dad's got his guts hanging out everywhere, and her mom's dead, and uh, Diana freaks out when she sees it. Rightfully so. That would yeah. be very shocking. Um, and Matthew is like, all right, enough's enough. We're leaving Oxford, and we're going to go stay with my mommy um, in Septour, which is in France. So Oh shit, this is where I I don't I did not read <laughs> past this, so I don't okay. know they go to France. Okay, they go to France. Um 
yeah, he yeets her out of there and they go to France. Matthew tells Diana that the way that he gets her to go there is that he tells her she can read this like old alchemy book that he has that isn't supposed to exist. And he's like, oh yeah, baby, I've got it in my personal library, in my personal castle, wanna come? And so they go and um, she meets his mom and his her, his mother's name is Isabeau, which is like an early, early French name that eventually became Isabel. So um, it's like spelled really weird. And at first I was reading Yasabe, but it's not Yasabe. <laughs> it's Isabeau. Um, and Isabeau has Isabel. this. Isabeau. Yes, she has this um, like house maid I guess housekeeper and her name is Marth and they're both vampires and they live in this big castle in the like French countryside and Matthew takes her there because he knows that it will be safe for her there because Isabeau's really really old and no one um would like fuck with a vampire that old so uh and Martha housemaid uh makes her drink a lot of this mysterious herbal tea which comes into play later um, Diana learns about how vampires hunt, because uh, she's there for a while, so she, um, let's see, she, she learns about how they hunt, and how she watches Matthew hunt eventually, they wow. go horseback riding a lot, oh. and, um, eventually during her time there, we find out that Diana is, like, OP as fuck, um, and I have a quote that is important to insert now. Let's yeah. see. This was kind of foreshadowed. I mean, by kind of, I mean like explicitly foreshadowed mm-hmm. um, Diana's OP-ness because Matthew was always like, she's the most powerful witch I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Or they'd be like, it she... only would take a really powerful witch to resurrect asshole 420 or whatever the fuck. <laughs> asshole 420. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, let's see. There's a there's a page here that says like all of the cool stuff that she can do. Um, this genetic marker for precognition, Matthew continued, pointing to the first circled smudge. His finger began slowly to move down the page. This one's for flight. This one helps witches find things that are lost. This one's for talking with the dead. This one's for transmogrification. Uh, this one's for telekinesis. This is for spell casting. This one's for charms. This one's for curses. And you've got mind reading, telepathy, and empathy. They're next to one another. So he's like reading off of her genetic like Wow, um, so she has all of these. Yeah, and also she has, which we find out later, which wind, which water, which electricity, and which fire. So Diana can control every single element, and she can do every cool thing ever. Wow. Yeah. Say fucking less, Harkness. Chill out. (laughs) Diana's extremely powerful, but what her problem is is that she has never used any of her powers before, so... They kind of take over when she does use them or when they, like, happen. She has no control over them because she's Mm. never practiced using them. Right. So, where are we? Um, They're in France. They're training? Yes. While they're there, they're not training. She just finds out Mm. that she's really powerful. And uh, while they're there, this bad, bad vampire named Domenico Michele... Um, finds them and he's like, hey, don't have sex, 
Um, because the congregation won't like it, and we find out that the congregation is this group of nine creatures, three vampires, three witches, and three demons, and they keep the species in check. So basically they're like the... They police the creatures and tell them, like, you cannot date, you can't procreate, you can't be with one another, because when we do, we are more likely to be discovered by the humans, so we don't intermix. And so the congregation doesn't want them to be together because they don't want to get found out by the humans. So Classic. Um, Matthew and Diana don't fuck, but they do go to third base. And oh. um, it is a long scene. I'm sad that you never got there. I could I could just Give text the you page. the chapter. Oh, I don't have the page number. Oh, you could text me the chapter. Yeah, I'll find the chapter and I'll I'll show it to you later. But they they like spend an evening together naked in bed and they just kind of like fondle each other and like um, there's a lot of like touching and licking and um, things like that, but they don't ever actually consummate their relationship. There's um, no envelopmental sex. Yeah. New term I I learned. I lose. (laughs) (laughs) I learned. (laughs) It's still a pretty hot chapter. Um, It is pretty, it's pretty good. And Matthew, of course, is like very, um, like, Oh, I want to court you for a while, and I want to be chivalrous, and good things come in time. So they don't, they don't have sex, but they. That's fine. We, I like spend, a good dry rub. Yeah, so do I. I was like, I okay, Matthew. Like, I appreciate it. Thank you. Like, I see you. Thanks for not rushing everything right away. Like he, he's been alive for so long that I think he's like trying to extend the pleasure and like um, draw out like the experience. Um, so he doesn't want to just like have sex right away. He wants to do other things first, which That's I really appreciate. Up. We That's love foreplay and we <sighs> want to see it. Sex starts in the mind, guys. In the mind. <laughs> yes. So the next morning, um, Diana wakes up and she's like, I'm going to go outside and get some fresh air. And she goes outside and she's immediately like scooped up by a witch and taken to this castle in the middle of nowhere <laughs> this book is a wild ride Damn, so dude. the the witch that has taken her is named satu and satu is um evil pretty much she's a really really bad person she tortures diana for 12 hours Whoa. and like rips her body apart she hangs her upside down from this big like hook and um she like hangs her by her leg for like 12 hours and rips open parts of her back because she's like trying to find Diana's magic inside of her. She wants to like know how Diana is so incredibly overpowered and um, like. Holy shit. That's some Texas chainsaw shit right there. Yeah, it's really, really bad. Like it's hard to read. And Diana has like so much PTSD afterwards. I'm sure. Um, Yeah. Because like, because she makes her lay on the ground at one point and like, rips open her like the, he like she basically peels her like an orange like God multiple times damn, and like dude. then heals her again and keeps doing it because she's trying to break her down to like discover her secrets and Diana just refuses to break so eventually Satu throws Diana into an oubliette which is this like giant um deep hole it's like a dungeon which is like a real thing that mm-hmm. humans created yeah. um and would put people in which is just 
terrible. So Diana is put in the bottom of this like 60 foot hole and Satu leaves and she's like, I'll be back for you. And while Diana is down there, she doesn't know if she's hallucinating or if she's like actually seeing her dead parents, but her parents show up as ghosts and they tell her this bedtime story that they told her when she was younger about how um, she is like the most powerful witch ever, but she had like a fairy godmother put ribbons around her to tie in her power and um, she'll like a dark prince will come for her one day and basically it's like telling the story of Diana's life but in like bedtime story form Mm. and Diana realizes that this is like the story her parents used to tell her when she was little Um, and so she's like heard the story before so she was her mom was a seer and she knew that she would meet Matthew and that this is how her life would unfold. So um, Matthew and his brother Baldwin eventually show up to rescue Diana and Diana flies out. Yay, she can finally fly. She musters the strength and flies up and out of the big hole. After that, Matthew is like super pissed and he's like, I'm going to kill Satu, which we don't see happen in this book. So we know that that is coming soon in probably the next book. Mm. Um, They go, Matthew takes her to Madison, which is where her aunt Sarah and aunt Emily live. And they go stay with them for a while because he figures like it's not safe for them anymore in France. So maybe it will be safe in the States. So they go stay with her um, aunt's in their cool ass house. I'm so sad that you didn't get to this point in the book because this is like another thing where Deborah Harkness is like incredibly creative. Mm-hmm. The house that they live in because they're witches. Like they walk in and Matthew says like is your house haunted? And she's like, yeah, we're witches. Like, of course our house is haunted. So a bunch of their, like, dead ancestors just, like, live and roam around the house at all times. And the house is also, like, its own entity. So when she and Matthew go there for the first time, they have to be in the house alone together for the house to get used to Matthew. Because Diana explains, like, if they have... As, like, a, a guest over to the house that the house doesn't like, the house will just, like, flat out yeet them out of the house and like flickers the lights and slams doors in their face and makes it incredibly uncomfortable for them to be in the house so they eventually like will leave so that's really cool because the house is like sentient and it does yeah it likes Matthew so it does cool things like when they're in the bedroom together the house will like lock the door and turn the lights down and like um it's basically like a smart home (laughs) but it's a haunted house (laughs) Uh, which I thought was really, really cool. I really liked that part. Um, That's awesome. So, where are we? While Diana and uh, Matthew are at the house, this is where things, this, there's just a lot of stuff in this book. Uh, we find out that Matt, that Diana has a twin, but she absorbed her twin in the womb. <laughs> and so that is why her genetic like markers have male and female DNA so she like absorbed her brother in the womb and she's also what they call a call bearer um which has something to do with like the way that she was born I didn't really understand that part I think that Mm -hmm. maybe they'll get more into that in the next book because this is like towards the end of the book um she but because she has like all of these predispositions she's 
more likely that we find out to be able to have a baby with Matthew, even though he is a vampire. And so we find out this is why um, the congregation really doesn't want them to be together. They, they want them to be apart even more um, because Diana has like all of these things that would make it more likely for them to procreate. Um, mm, right. Also, there's this whole other like side plot with this thing called the Knights of Lazarus, and it's like this hey. congregation. <laughs> it's like this group that Matthew created a long, long time ago in the Crusades, and they're a group of vampire vigilantes that go around and like fix shit, uh, even though like creatures aren't supposed to meddle in like political affairs, they do it anyway, and they help people that can't help themselves. That's like their whole thing. Wow, so noble, um, Matthew. We love a white so, knight. Thank you. Yeah, literally the whitest knight that there could ever be. Um, <laughs> oh, we also find out that the tea that Marth has been making Diana drink has been a contraceptive, which pisses Matthew off because he's like, if I wanted to have a child with Diana, it would be our decision and Marth and, and Isabel, you don't get to interfere, which, like, granted... That that's really is their decision, not yep. his mother and the housekeeper. So he's like pissed about that. Um, yeah, but also another um, medicinal, yeah, all natural, <laughs> drinkable contraceptive. Dude, I, I have that in you know? in my notes. There's a little star next to it. That says unfair. <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know why. It's not fair. Why can they just drink a tea and then not American have American psychologist, American biologist. Get on it. Get on that tea. Get um, on that tea. So then Diana and Matthew go for a walk in the woods, and they run into Juliet, a character that has not been introduced so far and has never been mentioned. Um, it's Matthew's former lover. Oh, and, <laughs> and she's been sent by the congregation to find out about Diana's magical abilities, and Diana straight up fucking kills her right there in the woods. She just lights her on fire, and she dies because Juliet is trying to kill Matthew in front of Diana, and Diana feels possessive and, like, protective over Matthew, and so she, like, gets really angry and channels all her magic towards Juliet, and Juliet, like, bursts into flames. So we find out that Diana is uh, able to control witch fire. Uh, which is really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So because Matthew was so badly, like, damaged by Juliet trying to kill him, he's about to die, and he has to feed on Diana, which is a whole hub of blue. And um, huh. because all of this happens, Matthew decides, he's like, it's not safe for us here. It's not safe for us in France. It's not safe for us in, um, like, Oxford. It's not safe for us in the States. I don't know where to take us, so what we need to do is we need to go travel back in time. We need to time walk, which just so happens to be one of Diana's genetically prepositioned um, abilities. Her markers were genetic markers. Her father could do it, and so they're like, you could probably do it too. So Wow, how convenient. Yeah. So some demons show up, and they're like, hey, here are some trinkets. These things will help you travel back in time. And um, Diana gets some immunizations so that she doesn't die from diseases right. um, in the time period that they're going to. Smart. And they they decide that they're going to travel back in time to um, Elizabethan England in, like, 1590. Great. That's um, why they're white. Important. 
<laughs> uh, but before they time travel, Matthew and Diana enjoy a wonderful evening on Halloween night, passing out candy to trick-or-treaters. It's very wholesome. Super wholesome. Um, and they time travel. End of book. And that's it. And so I'm guessing, like, the second book takes place in Victorian England. And I bought the whole series because I, I like, four chapters in, I was like, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait. I'm ordering the whole series now. And then I kept reading and I was like, maybe I shouldn't have spent that money. Um, but now I have them. So I'm going to read them anyway. And there's no I turning did, back. I did think it was a good book. I thought it was entertaining. I think that the author is really creative. Yeah. I like her, um, not her world building because this takes place in like the real world, yeah. but her, um, her magic building, I guess, like all of the magical elements that happen in this book are really fun. Like all of Diana's powers are really interesting. Like at one point Diana cries because she's sad, like Matthew leaves and she cries and she is like overwhelmed by her tears and she basically like starts a tsunami with uh. her her tears and like there are waves like rolling around and she's like like almost drowns Isabeau and Marth and um it's pretty crazy so like Diana is incredibly powerful which I liked I mean we've talked about this before we like an overpowered character that's always yeah. fun um definitely fun for sure yeah yeah, but there are also a lot of things about this book that I really didn't like, and mostly it had to do with Matthew, which is sad because I love vampires. Like, I'm a big vampire fan, but yeah, Matthew the vampire is not my favorite vampire. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's dive in then. I have, I want to start <laughs> off with my first encounter with Matthew. I mean, both of our first encounters with Matthew, but... Um, pages for me 18 and 19 are just pretty much dedicated to his description mm-hmm. um, and uh, when she <laughs> this one was tall well over six feet even accounting for the problems of perspective associated with looking down on him from the gallery and he definitely was not slight broad shoulders narrowed into slender hips which flowed into lean muscular legs His hands were strikingly long and (laughs) agile, a mark of physiological delicacy that made your eyes drift back to them to figure out how they could belong to such a large man. (laughs) As my eyes swept over him, his own were fixed on me. From across the room, they seemed black as night, staring up under thick, equally black eyebrows, one of them lifted in a curve that suggested a question mark. His face was indeed striking. All distinct planes and surfaces with high-angled cheekbones meeting brows that shielded and shadowed his eyes. Above his chin one of, was one of the few places where there was room for softness. His wide mouth, like his long hands, didn't seem to make sense. And it just, I... I okay. Hot. Oh, this was my favorite part. Hot. The most so unnerving... Hot. The most unnerving thing about him was not his physical perfection. It was his feral combination of strength, agility, and keen intelligence that was palpable across the room. (laughs) Bitch, (laughs) explain to me how you're like, man, that tall ass, pale ass, hot ass dude looks really fucking smart. 
So this maybe is uh, a Deborah Harkness um, <laughs> needing to branch out and and learn a little bit more about the world. You cannot decide um, how intelligent someone is based on what they look like. Deborah Harkness. That's a sin, friend. That's a sin. Um, yeah, that. I mean, and it goes on. It goes on and on. And I just yeah. was like, bro, like, <laughs> will you chill? Will you chill for a second? God damn. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing that I wanted to. Oh, they drink Riesling. Which we had last time we went wine tasting. I just wanted to. Delish. It was a, a little. Sweet, a sweet wine. A sweet wine. It was a little. <laughs> Delicious. Thanks. Okay. I want to talk about on my page 145 how they smell, the description of their smell. Um, what do I smell like? I asked, toying with the stem of my wine glass. Skip, skip, skip line. Oh, sorry. I can't skip these lines. <laughs> um, his lids fell and he inhaled deeply you smell of willow sap and chamomile that's been crushed underfoot he sniffed again and smiled a small sad smile there's honeysuckle and fallen oak leaves too he said softly breathing out along with witch hazel blooming and the first narcissus of spring and ancient things, whorehound, frankincense, lady's mantle, since I thought I'd forgotten. My eyes opened slowly, and I looked into their, his eyes opened slowly, and I looked into their gray depths, afraid to breathe and break the spell his words had cast. What about me, he asked, his eyes holding on to mine. Cinnamon. <laughs> and cloves. Sometimes I think you smell of carnations, not the kind in the florist shops, but the old-fashioned ones that grow in English cottage gardens. Clove pinks. Not bad for a witch. Hmm. <laughs> wow. I just, I thought, I, I imagined you were delighting mm. in these thorough descriptions. Yeah. Um, not that I can was you imagine, not delighting. Can you imagine if you asked someone what you smelled like and they gave you like a monologue response yeah. back? Like they weren't just like soap. They were like, yeah. you smell of chamomile crushed underfoot. Like that's so fucking specific and hot. And then I yeah. also, I have a quote on my page 327, which we do not have the same pages. I've been looking on the ones yeah. you're saying, and it's not the same. Um, he says, <laughs> um, wait, is this him saying it or her saying it? I don't know. It's one of them. One of them says, I like your intelligence. Sometimes I even like your bossiness. This is Diana. Um, but most of all, I rubbed the tip of my nose gently against his I like the way you smell. And I was like, fuck, rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> we don't want to hear about it. 
but also we do. It's so annoying. She's always like, oh my God, I could taste his spiciness on my tongue. And I'm like, God damn it, Diana. So this wine God. is so spicy. Like Matthew. Mm, cinnamon. And I'm lucky if my boyfriend tastes like the toothpaste. Like... <laughs> <laughs> man, lucky oh man. if that happens. I mean, humans, we smell different. And, like, I honestly, I think that, like, if you love the way someone smells, like, it's not, like, I feel like it's a genetic thing where it's like, ooh, my pheromones, like, your pheromones or some shit. I mean, again, biologists, please forgive me. But, <laughs> um, like, I feel like it's a genetic marker of, like, a good match. But it doesn't mean that, like, your relationship is going to be solid. Or, like, it isn't, I don't know, it, it's, it's a delight, an extra pleasure, but I don't know. Like, unless you are repulsed by someone's smell, which, like, you can't really avoid. Um, I've been there with a guy <laughs> that I was dating, and I, like, thought his smell was fine at first. But then, like, I was like, oh, this is the end. Sorry, friend. Why? What happened? What did he smell like? I uh, He... He smelled like, um, kind of like shaving cream, now that I'm thinking back. But, like, there was something almost, like, vinegary about it. And, like, at first I was like, wow, a distinct smell. Like, I was just excited to smell someone. But then we had been, like, kind of dating for a couple weeks. And then, like... I'm sorry, but that, what you just said is, like, what it is to be a teenager. I was just excited to smell someone, to be close enough to smell someone. Legit. I was Uh, really, I was pleased. Um, Yeah, and I, like, kept having to decide, I had to decide if I was going to, like, continue to date him or not, or, like, like, make it official type deal. And I think we went to homecoming, and he, like, dropped me off at my house, and, like, we made out in my kitchen, and I was just, like so repulsed by like his tongue (laughs) in my mouth and I was just like Uh. okay bye now and then I like the next day I was like okay time to break up and I had been wanting a boyfriend so desperately badly and he was like you know he was he was a libertarian so that was like the first red flag um but he was really smart and um came from like good money and I would like I don't know I liked that vibe and he always picked me up and he was very like chivalrous and um we were we had a lot of like witty banter it was like kind of like poking fun at each other all the time which I Mm -hmm. I liked and was exciting but it was like also like I was always filled with anxiety and um my mom was so mad at me when I was like mom I'm not gonna I'm not gonna date this person and she was like what the fuck is wrong with you, Fallon? Like, you're always fucking complaining about not having a boyfriend, and then you get the opportunity to have one, and you throw it away. And I was like, I just can't do it, Mom. Like, I was sobbing on the phone. I was like, I can't do it. And um, so we, like, met for coffee, and I was like, I'm sorry. I I don't remember what I said, but I was like, I don't think I can do that. I think I just want to stay friends. And he was like, okay, your loss. (laughs) Oh, my God. Motherfucker said you're lost. And so I was like, okay. And then like he left (laughs) the coffee shop. And um now I I really did dodge that bullet because that motherfucker voted for Trump. 
And um, he also, I know, he was dating a girl. He has been dating a girl for some time now. um, And he wrote, I think two years into their relationship, he wrote a book about relationships. And he was Shut your mouth. I'm not lying to you. I'll send it to you. Um, He wrote a book about relationships. And he also, rumor has it, him and like his peers from the college that he went to or something, his like friends, um, you know, the signs that people put on like overpasses where they like print out a large banner and then they like hang it over like a freeway. Yes. Um, Well, their sign that they put up said, feminism is cancer. (laughs) (gasps) What the fuck? My loss indeed. Oh my God. God. I did not see this myself. This is what I heard through the grapevine. Um, <laughs> and so... Whoa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no wonder he smelled like shit. <laughs> I was not... Yeah, the smell was no longer appealing. It, it no. went away pretty quickly. It was just his, like, the acrid smell of his hate was, I guess like, so. seeping yeah. off of him. That old money that turns sour, man. Turns sour. <laughs> Shit. Shit, indeed. So, um, yeah, that was wild. But the other, last, I think last night, it, it got cold. Um, and it's cold now in Arizona. And so we've been leaving the windows open to get a draft in because now we can mm-hmm. finally cuddle again, which I think does wonders. <laughs> Just wonders for our relationship. Um, and uh, I got into bed and, like, I when I threw the covers over me that kind of like our smells like wafted up and I smelled like 17 year old Casper and I was like you smell like a 17 year old (laughs) (laughs) that same like 17 year old smell like Fallon what no he smelled good it was just like it reminded me of the first time that like like again like I was just excited to smell someone like being in his bed with him when we were like 17 and like fooling around and just like smelling another person in their like mm-hmm. house and it like I it it took me back. Did Casper have a twin bed or a full bed? He had a I think a queen. Oh my god. A full or a queen. He either Lucky. had a full or a queen. Yeah, dude. Brady had yeah. a fucking tiny twin. <laughs> I had a twin. I had a twin and I lived in a sunroom that didn't have a door. So yeah. my wall was a bookcase and then all of the other walls had windows, including the wall that divided my room from my sister's room and our poor Japanese exchange student. So there was a window because it was a sunroom. You want to be able to see the sun from that bedroom. It wasn't designed to be a bedroom. So there was a window literally like behind my head that <laughs> led into their room. So like my whole house heard the going ons in um, my twin bed. Oh my so god! We spent most of our time at Casper's house, but he would come in. Uh, he would come after school to my house, or he would like leave his house at like eight p.m. and he would stay at my house, and then he would drive home at like three a.m. on a school night. Like Whoa. sneak back in. So he would sneak back home at like three a.m. just to like, you know, get a piece of this ass. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Fuck. So yeah, smells. Smells are powerful. They're important. Um, but Jesus Christ, chamomile crushed underfoot. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Diana. Fuck you, Diana. 
<laughs> but like also uh, sorry you got tortured that like really sucks yeah bad 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 things in store for diana in the second half of this book <laughs> yeah damn jesus um so did you have anything else that you wanted to say about matthew you were you were saying first you wanted to talk about their smells there's something else i think um i well i wanted to share like the description um of him and then like a a couple paragraphs later she talks about his clothes and how he's so immaculately dressed yes and um he wears so many sweaters it's so hot i love i love like the vibe of this book like it's like cold and foggy and they wear sweaters and like tweed and i just (laughs) (laughs) i get such a fucking rager um, Oxford leather, patent yes, leather shoes. Yes, yes. Because they're in loafers. <laughs> loafers, yeah. And, um. Ugh, so hot. And he fucking has all of these dope houses that he, like, built because mm-hmm. he's, like, into architecture. And. But I still felt, like, that his best friend had, like, was a better character. <laughs> Hamish? Yeah. Yeah, and Hamish Hamish. never comes back in. I was so disappointed. Like, I kept waiting for Hamish to come back. Yeah, and he does not come back, at least not in this book. I mean, but this book, like, doesn't doesn't resolve. Like, none of the problems are solved. Nothing is resolved. It, It literally leaves off with them, like, traveling back in time. So, like, this book I is, like, a greater part of a series... You can't just read this book. You have to read the next one. So Weird. I'm sure okay. Hamish comes back. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's almost like part one of a story. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So I was just like, I don't know, Matthew in all of his hotness, his personality was just like, uh, so fucking boring to me. He's I don't so know. Serious. I was just like, you're right. I was just like, God damn. Like he's like, I like wine. Let me show you. Like, I think the things that accompanied Matthew were more exciting than Matthew himself. And I was like, you've had fucking centuries to work on your personality, sir. Uh, In all of your biological studies, you didn't think it was important to, I don't know, work on, like, your interpersonal relationship skills. Do some, like, deep dives on, like, your triggers or anything at all whatsoever. And then there was, like, just the classic, like... I don't know why I'm in love with this woman, but I am because she <laughs> smells so good. And it was like Hamish was like, I know why my friend was upset. Matthew was falling in love. And it was like, why? He was never like, I know. So fucking smart. She's a fucking historian, dude. Yeah. She's an overpowered witch historian, and he treats her like she's this wee babe. Which, like, mm-hmm. compare like comparatively, like their ages, of course. Like he is so much older than her, but like I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't think it's ever. It's it's rarely sexy for me um, to like read when the dude is like clearly knows so much more and like does not really like value her opinion yeah or like i think what was so what's so sexy about recent is he's like famous got it dude she's got it and if she doesn't then i got her back but i trust that bitch because she's smart and she's a badass and she fucking killed the mingard worm like (laughs) a bitch you know like i yeah he like he just like digs her in addition to being mates like mm-hmm. that part they can't control but like he does like 
genuinely vibe with her and they like get along really well whereas I felt like Matthew like Diana was always like whatever you say Matthew or like if she had an opinion or wanted to do something he was like no (laughs) yeah okay I I think so I'm so glad that you feel this way because I feel the exact same way. And it's funny that you said, like, oh, man, you've had so long to work on yourself because that is literally in my notes. I have Matthew is over 1,500 years old. He has had so much time for introspection. He's had so much time to learn about himself and learn new things and take new ideas. And yet he is still a misogynist asshole. And I was like, Dude, I don't get it because most of us only get like 80, maybe 90 years to learn about ourselves and learn from mistakes and, you know, decide what our opinion on the world is. And Matthew has had over 1,500 years and he still treats Diana like a helpless woman. And it pisses me off. It makes me so mad. And if he's such a fucking like humanitarian, he's like, I go against the rules of the fucking what is it like confederacy i don't know <laughs> the council and he's pretty like, much i go help people when i see humans steering themselves in the wrong direction i help them out my favorite anecdote of the 200 pages that i read were um the story of him uh reviving marcus yeah what's his name and how, like, he and Marcus were, like, in war together, but Marcus was, like, a lowly, like, I don't know, medic or some shit. Uh-huh. And Matthew was uh, the, like, war king. And he was, like, the great warrior. And how, mm-hmm. like, the natives of that area were, like, oh, Matthew, yeah. he's so good. And he, like, led the army of, like, tribal folk. And they, like they helped him out because they knew what he was and they like knew that he was a good guy and they were like oh he's a vampire we'll help him out and we'll we'll watch over him like they don't give a fuck about you white man <laughs> like just the amount of white savior was just like i couldn't <laughs> it's i agree it's oh, yeah. overwhelming it's like fuck <laughs> fuck like she, I think, I, I felt like the author was like trying to plug all possible <laughs> holes, all fault, like all, um, you know, just like trying to yeah. make it uh, airtight. But I'm like, but that you've, you've, you've snuffed out any nuance and in making him like an airtight, perfect dude, like you make him so fucking boring and annoying mm-hmm. because he's a white knight. We've fucking seen the story. Like, at least with, I feel like, other stories, with which there are an abundance of, of, like, white male protagonists. Like, he's not the protagonist in this story, but I just mean, like, in general, the story of, like, the white hero. There is always, or not always, I think the best ones are ones where they are flawed. They are heavily flawed characters yeah. but you still root for them like they're there's easier some to relate to that way yes uh, yes and it's, it's like bitch yeah <laughs> it's really guy. hard it's hard to relate to a character that like is so fucking like perfect you know or the author wants you to think they are because yeah. like that's not it's it's a it's not real <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. So I felt kind of bad for Diana. Um, yeah. I was just like, well, I did too. What were you yeah. going to say? No, I, I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. Um, well, settle in. I have... I have a couple notes, and I, I I took a lot of notes throughout this book. And mm-hmm. then after I took my notes, I went back through with a red pen, and I I <laughs> highlighted and like like Damn. drew squares around every note that had to do about like evidence I've gathered that Matthew is a patriarchal misogynistic asshole, and most of my notes are red. <laughs> I. I love vampires. I love vampire books. I think I'm really drawn to vampires. Like, one, because I discovered Twilight in middle school, and it was, like, this, you know, unlike anything I'd ever read before. It was my first, like, love story that I was reading, and I just kind of, like, fell in love with, like, the mystical, magical vampire. Um, I really like that they're, like, always pristine. They're always so clean. I think yeah. that maybe that has, like, <laughs> a big factor for me. It's, like, they always smell good. Like, no matter what, you're just, like, drawn yeah. to them, right? They even the wear bad sweaters. ones, you're like, ugh. Yeah, makes, even, yeah. The, even the bad ones have good breath. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> vampires are the pinnacle of cleanliness, and I... Yeah, that they don't shit either. Ah, uh-uh, No. And that turns me the fuck on. <laughs> so I love vampires, period. Um, I, I even like that, like, vampires, because they're often really old, sometimes, you know, they'll have, like, the character traits of, like, being very, very chivalrous and, like, they'll open doors for the main character and, like, grab her hand to help her get out of the car. And, it, and like, some people really, really despise that um, because they see it as a sign of, like, well, you think, you, you, you know, you perceive me as weak and you have to do these things for me. Right. Which I totally understand. Like, I, I get that, too. However, I think, like, I, I just value, like, Kindness. Like the kindness, like going out of your way. Yeah, mm. yeah. The thought acts of, of like. Acts of service. Mm-hmm. Acts of service is a big love language for me. So like I like that aspect of vampires because, you know, they were from a different time. They have different customs. Um, yeah. What I don't like about Matthew is that he is, like I said, he's like over 1,500 years old and he still like treats women like he's living in the middle ages <laughs> or like okay so let's see where's the good quote um matthew says i warned you friendships with vampires are complicated i couldn't let you go now even if i wanted to so he's like telling her now like you're mine. He's being very, very controlling, like, right off the bat. This is, like, and he was early like, on into the book. I warned you. I told you this would be a bad idea, Diana. It's yeah. your fault that I've been fucking stalking you and following you everywhere you go mm-hmm. and, like, taking up all of your time and, um, like, snuck into your apartment. <laughs> yep. But your fault, because I warned you and you still were just wafting that scent of yours over at me. Silly so what bitch. am I supposed to do? Yeah, and so I my quote underneath or my my little like 
blurb underneath this quote is I said I do not like this this is supposed to be sexy I don't find this sexy Diana does not want to be grabbed or touched and I don't like the force grabbing oh he's like grabbing her in this scene he like grabs her by the arm Mm-hmm. And Diana even says in this scene, she says that no man has ever forced her before. Before I this remember moment. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, this is not acceptable. This is not sexy, right? This is like, she is clearly uncomfortable. The author took the time to write like she's recognizing in this moment, no one's ever grabbed me like this before. This doesn't feel right. And then, yeah. and then the author says this, like this is in the same chapter. She says... Somewhere in the center of my soul, a rusty chain began to unwind. It freed itself, link by link, from where it had rested. Un- Sorry, I wrote this quote, and I'm, like, having trouble reading my own handwriting. No, I know. Unobserved, I think, is what I wrote. Waiting for him. At last, it snapped into full length, anchoring me to a vampire. And I wrote under that, I said, this feels like trauma bonding. Like, granted... He didn't cause her parents' death. This is like when she finds out uh, she gets the picture of her parents. So yeah. he didn't he didn't cause her parents' death, but but Diana is like going through so much in that specific moment. It feels like she turns to Matthew because he's there, right? And he is like grabbing her arm and telling her like it's going to be okay and all this yeah. stuff and he's she's taking like in control of the situation for her. Yeah, and and then she thinks she's like falling in love with him because of that. But it's like it just felt like like trauma bonding to me. I did yeah. not like that at all. Yeah. No, that that they were very close together. Like the the yeah. grabbage and when she like yeah, I remember that distinctly when she was like, No one has ever no like man has ever um like ignored a no from me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like even when I was like some guy was like trying to fill me up in the movie theater, like he stopped when I told him no. Yeah. Um, but Matthew, Matthew doesn't. doesn't do that. And that's why I like him. Exactly. And I'm like, no, bitch. No. That is not okay. No one should ever, ever touch you, uh, you know, without your consent. It's yeah. not okay. And if you tell them no, they should take their hands away immediately. Like, oh, my God. I And I wrote in, I, like, circled this in highlighter. I said, I wish authors would pay more attention to this. Please stop trying to make relationships that bloom out of abuse sexy. It's not sexy. Like, yeah. I And, like, I there, there is a space, like, in intimacy for, like, I'm going to say pseudo because it is still consensual, but, like, pseudo non-consensual touch because that you make an arrangement. Mm-hmm. It is, like, an arrangement that you and your partner agree on. It is a space that you create that is mm-hmm. safe for that kind of play. Yes. But it is it is fake. It is not true non-consensual touch or mm-hmm. movement because, like, you have agreed to do that. You discuss these things and you decide them and you make intention. There's intention behind it. Intentional choices. That, this is not that. <laughs> no. Yeah, this isn't this that is at not all. This is not that. Yeah, so I, I know what you mean. And it's like, it's not, if it's going to be that, I think the only time it's like sexy to read about, I don't, I don't know, this is like the way you can perceive it as a reader. Like, it's a bad person. I don't think that these sh- things should be like construed as good. I think 
if you are like you know kinky or whatever and you're reading about a bad person doing something bad to someone else and it's clear that this is a bad thing and you can get turned on by it even if it's clearly a bad thing but it's been decided that that's a bad thing this is a non-consensual touch like forcing and like you know and the author wants you to see it as like oh my god look at matthew like he cares about diana so much aggression being depicted as a positive thing as a sexual thing that's different than finding violence you know attractive for whatever reason or non-reason like yeah so i think like when you if you want stories where you're reading about bad things happening to people and you're like i don't know but this stimulates me that's different than like an author being like these things are blurring the lines and we like it don't we you know like or the character liking it and that's like problematic yeah Yeah. i have more notes on it i wrote this is like right under that I wrote in all caps, this is where things take a turn. <laughs> and I <laughs> circled it and highlighted it in red. Um, there's a quote that says that Matthew is saying to Diana, he says, this family is not a democracy, especially not at a time like this. When I tell you to do something, you do it without hesitation or question. Understood? And Ew. I wrote absolutely not not and this is my my quote i understand that he is trying to keep diana safe he's trying to keep diana alive at this point in the book and maybe deborah harkness thinks that like to make matthew seem sexy by being such like a strong protector this is the way to do it but this is not being sexy like speaking to diana in this way is not sexy like dominance can be sexy like you just we just talked about Mm -hmm. But, and it can be very attractive when someone, like, wants to protect you or they, like, they, like, want to take care of you because they love you. But, like, this is not, like, not when they want to control your actions and what you say and what you do. He basically tells her that she may not make choices for herself anymore and that she has to abide by everything that he says no matter what it is. And that's just disgusting. That's gross. And... And then Harkness, like, takes it too far when this is, this is the quote that comes shortly after. Matthew says, I will kill you myself before I let anyone hurt you. And the words caught in his throat. And I don't want to kill you, so please do what I tell you. And I wrote, this is just plain abuse. This is classic, like, like, I, you know, if I can't have you, no one can. Yeah, or like, why wouldn't he be like, I would let myself die before yeah. I let anyone, you know, like. Yeah, it's always at that. her expense. He was like, I'll <laughs> fucking murder you before I let anyone else touch you, which is like, no thanks. I'll pass. Like, oh you don't need to do that. I'm good. <laughs> We're going to call it a red flag, friends. We're going to call it a red, a crimson flag. Damn, dude. Yeesh. Come on, Matthew. Chill the fuck out. There's one more line that Matthew says that I wrote down that was gross. Um, And he's talking about Satu and how she has tortured Diana. Mm -hmm. And he says, Satu marked you as... Or, sorry, he's, he's saying this to... 
Diana's aunts. He says, Satu marked your niece as my property and made it known that the witches had discovered my family secret. But he calls Diana his property. And at that point, I was like, I'm done. I don't like Matthew anymore. And those books are sitting on my shelves. And now what do I do? <laughs> so, Damn, dude. Because it's like... Uh, it's not even like, I feel like with A Court of Thorns and Roses, when it was like, okay, Pharaoh rolls up into the Fey lands. She is human. She is incredibly vulnerable. She is pretty much just pure prey to these people. And like, she needs some help getting protected. You and I had, you know, like a debate on this. And like, but this is like, she is a witch. And yeah. there's, I from the sound of it, I mean, I didn't read to that point, but like, it uh, sounds like, they're not, like, trying to help her out, like, train her, prepare her, like, to empower her to do her best, like, to, to be able to harness her powers to protect herself, which, like, we do get in A Court of Thorns and Roses, mm -hmm. which is what Feyre fought, like, a motherfucker for, mm -hmm. um, to, like, be able to fend for herself, like, teach a bitch to fish, you know? Um <laughs> But I don't even remember the train of my yeah. thought. Cause, yeah, well, so. I w to, what, to what you're saying, yeah. Matthew, in the beginning, he's like, I can protect you. You're always safe when you're with me. I will be your protector. And then he takes her to Isabo, and he's like, Isabo will be your protector. And, like, that's not working out. And then he takes her to her aunts, and he's like, we'll protect you here. But that doesn't work out. So, like, Matthew tries and tries again to, like, have other people protect Diana so that she doesn't have to, like, embrace her witchiness. Mm -hmm. um, because Diana doesn't want... She doesn't really want to. She does not want to have anything to do with her witchiness. But by the end of the book, Matthew's like, okay, we're done. You're going to be a witch now. You can't hide from it any longer. Like, I can't protect you. No one can protect you but yourself. So you have to learn. And so that's, like, his idea of to take them back in time is to take them to a time where witches were more powerful so they can train her um like back in time so then when they travel forward in time to like the present she'll have all of this power basically that she learned in like two seconds um but it would have been like i don't know how long the second book is like yeah. i don't know how long they spend there but all of the time that she, she spends in the past like she will still have when she comes back to the present and then she can like take on the congregation i guess is like where the book is going so we're you know we have in store diana will most likely learn to harness her powers and use them and be in control of them in the next book but in this book she just isn't at all yeah so Oh, yeah, I hope she does because I think that's much more it's much more powerful of a story. Like yeah. the protagonist needs to change. That is like storytelling number one. By the end of the book, like that person needs to change. And I guess like she was tortured and she fell in love, so like those things will definitely change a bitch. But like I don't know, I think when we're reading fantasy romance, like with female main characters, like we want to see like growth. We want to see like empowerment. And mm -hmm. I don't think there is, are, there are very few things sexier than like a partner that will help empower you yeah. um, or like help you unlock the things that like your natural gifts and your skills and help you like harness those things. I think that's why um, like recent is so beloved and like um, that series and same with like throne of glass. I mean like um, Selena, she's like, she already knows she's hot shit, but she still, you know, like, 
all the men, mo- the majority of the men she encounters help her become even more hot shit. And she, they push her um, to like do that. So I, I guess, I don't know. I think reading into it feels like Matthew is playing into her insecurities about her witch craft power magic her mm-hmm. witch powers um in order to like have agency over her yeah i think that it maybe maybe i'm giving deborah harkness too much credit but i think that maybe her plan i mean i haven't read the other books yet is to kind of have matthew have a character arc because it's mentioned a lot in this book that matthew is really attracted to delicate breakable things and mm. that's like used in reference to diana like she's delicate and she can be easily broken and like the other women he's loved in his past have also been delicate breakable things um but Diana's really not because she has all of this power. So maybe, you know, Matthew will learn to love his equal um, because she's so powerful and he does love her. But I think it's, like, ridiculous that he has to learn to be okay with, like, her power if 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 that is the train that this story takes. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just don't, I don't want to waste my time, like, reading about a misogynistic character that I'm supposed to love because there's enough misogyny in this world that I have to deal with on a day-to-day basis like I'm just not interested in incorporating it into my fantasy time do you know what I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what you were saying my friend and I think you should stand by that I think the things that we put our energy on are the things that we manifest and so like if we're yeah I mean fantasy time is all about like indulging in the good stuff and that's why I didn't finish the book because I wasn't feeling it, and it was really don't hard to pick up. Don't blame you. And um, <laughs> I, I like the whole point is pleasure. Like the cornerstone of this podcast is pleasure, and we are going to point out the problematic shit along the way, so authors and readers can be able to point them out too, and like so we can all have better, more pleasurable experiences in our reading and everyday lives. Amen. And that's on period. Sis, that's the tea. That's the tea. Damn. The English tea, which there was a lot of in this book. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's so um, <laughs> how many stars would you give this book, Fallon? Well, I'll give it, I'll give it a 1.5 out of 5. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I think... Out of five stars, I would give this book like a 2.75 because I did mm-hmm. read the whole thing you and did? I did like, I really liked the setting. I loved the like aesthetic of the book. I really liked, I really enjoyed, I know you said you didn't like it very much, but I really enjoyed like all the references to like historical characters and alchemists and like scientists because I actually knew like a few of them and that was really fun. Um, at the end of this book, it, they talk about how uh, they they had got this manuscript that was the play Dr. Faustus, which is written by Christian Marlowe, and they're going like back to go visit Christian Marlowe like back in time. And I learned about Christian Marlowe in school uh, when I was going to theater school in Wyoming, and like I wrote a paper about him. So that was really fun to like be like, oh my god, I, I know who that is. Yeah. Um, so I liked those kinds of things did not like their relationship I felt like like you did I was like why does he love her what um 
and I don't like the way that he treats her. I hope that there's redemption because I do have the other books and I like I bought them, so I'm I'm probably gonna read them. But yeah. um, I hope things. I hope that Matthew changes his outlook and treatment of women. Get it together, Matthew. <laughs> um, no, I know what you mean. Like I I. I'm an uneducated, uncultured swine, so um, <laughs> no, you're it, not. it did take me out of it. When <laughs> I'm just kidding, um, but I, no, I, I did. I was not as knowledgeable, and my uh, theater education was uh, not as thorough as yours was. <laughs> um, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, just like I. I agree. Like, I think if I had known more and I didn't have to like research stuff, I would have been more engaged. Um, but I, again, I mean, like the the tiny font really felt daunting to oh, me. Oh, dude, and it was so small. It was so, <laughs> it was so small. small. And like that seems such like such a silly thing. But the the story was not strong enough. My connection to the characters was not strong enough. Mm-hmm. And my grasp on like setting or like what the fuck was going on or even like the urgency of the story was not um, strong enough to like convince me or mo- motivate me to push through like the size of the book and like the, yeah. I did not have the endurance to go through it. Um, it's and- a big book. I mean, Fallon, I, I feel like most, most people that I know, I would feel like a lot of people, a lot of people I know don't read at all or like 200 pages, which is how much you read in this book, like is a lot of pages to some people. So yeah. I don't, I don't blame you for not finishing it. And I don't think that you're uneducated swine. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I have good common sense and excellent critical thinking skills. But of my knowledge <laughs> retention, I would say, uh, my smarts are um, limited in, in the fields of um, the biochemical realm. Yeah, fuck, dude. But, um, Some of that was dry. Yeah, it was, it was a little dry. Um, but also, I did like the architecture. I, did, I, do, I do fuck with um, houses and um, estates, so I really vibed with that. And also, I loved how in the beginning, um, they talked about that she was a historian and that she was really mm-hmm. accomplished in such a short amount of time. And I, yeah. I, I liked that she, I liked that grind that she put on. She was like, well, I'm not going to fucking rely on my magic. I'm going to try and earn all these things um, mm-hmm. in, you know, the best way I can and the most authentic, non-witchy way I can so I can, you know, prove that I can do these things just like a human could. And yeah. that was really exciting to me. And I wanted to, like, fucking, I wanted to go to an Ivy League. Like, I really, I loved that kind of, like, Yes. intellectual like dusty old library vibe um mm-hmm. that kind of posh like english old money vibe i really enjoyed that and i wish that it had there had been more of that or just like more focus on i don't know there was focus on the book but it didn't feel like the stakes were very high it was just like we yeah. want this book so we can survive but then like i don't know it just got weird and there were a lot of dinner dates they, there was a lot of dinner dates. Yeah, yeah. they eat a lot of nuts. A lot of, a <laughs> lot of. Just She's like, raw "What meat. do wolves eat? I'm gonna feed that to Matthew because he's." <laughs> and he's like, "I am really impressed that you know <laughs> that I like to graze. You know, I like to forage for my. <laughs> you know, I like a good charcuterie board." <laughs> 
damn Diana. The truffles, damn Diana. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like I don't know. She's she's so accomplished at such a young age. She is. She graduated it, high school, wasn't it? Like high school 16 by like sixteen or something. Yeah, and then she graduated college in four years, so she was done like right away. And I yeah. just she's yeah, and so she's she's got she's a doctor. She's Doctor Diana Bishop. Yeah, she's incredibly intelligent. Incredibly well read. And yet the whole book was spent her trying to prove herself to yeah. Matthew as like up to speed on vampire shit. And he's constantly and him shitting on her for being for not being like versed <sighs> in her own culture. Fallon, I didn't tell you this, but he's like constantly like being surprised by her and he's like, Wow, you're more educated than I thought. Or like anything that she says where she's like, Oh yeah, I know that guy you're talking about. He's like Wow, Diana Bishop, you never cease to amaze me. You're so like, smart. I love approval. Oh, yeah. it feels so good. Like, <laughs> if if someone said a reference to me that I, like, got, and I was like, oh, yeah, haha, I, I know that thing, and they were like, you do? Wow. Impressive that you would know what I was talking about. Like, that would piss me the fuck off. Are you kidding? I'd be so mad. Uh, he just like more. constantly belittling her, and it makes me so angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna stick with my 1.5 because yeah. like, it wasn't. It, it was better, I think, than um, Blood and Ash, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I st- still didn't want to finish it. Well, um, the next, maybe I don't know if this is the next book that I we have on the docket, but a book that I just bought yesterday. Um, that I told you about, but I'm, I want to talk about it again because I'm really excited about it. Is that all right? Yes, please do. Okay. A book that I bought yesterday at the bookstore is called Dark Fever, and it's written by Karen Marie Moaning, and I refuse to believe that's her real name. I think Um, it's Moaning. Are you sure? (laughs) Because I feel like if it was moaning, there'd be, she'd slap an A in there, you know? Yeah, but I, it's, it's just so large. Like I told you yesterday when I was explaining this cover to you. Yeah, it's like M-O-N. It's like Karen Marie moaning. It's just, it's so, the, the, the word is so large on the page. It's probably moaning, but I, I'm going to read it as moaning. Um, Okay, okay. The book is about a girl named Michaela and her sister is murdered and then she like gets clues about the murder and has to go to Ireland and then while she's there in Ireland she meets like a mysterious handsome something in a bar and turns out that she's like thrust into the dangerous realm of the fae Um, and there's a this is like the little description on the back of the book uh, her name's Michaela, but she goes by Mac, and it says, as Mac delves deeper into the mystery of her sister's death, she's her every move is shadowed by the dark, mysterious Jericho, while at the same time, the ruthless Villain, an immortal fae who makes sex addictions for human women, closes in on her. Like, excuse me, we're gonna have this book that's set in Ireland, and it's about fae who cause humans to have sex addictions like i'm in so i bought that book and i'm very excited to read it sign us up yeah it is available at my local library it is on my list um (laughs) i 
I'm excited to read. I'm also excited to read uh, The Invisible Life of... I don't even fucking remember. That's I just keep calling it The Invisible Life because I... Um, by V.E. Schwab. Yes, that... The Adi, Adi, Adi. I can't remember the name of the book. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's. I'm excited to read that one. I think that is my next pick. Yeah. Um, and I think it takes place in uh, in France as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in they go back in time. I think. I think it is a uh, time traveling paranormal historical romance. Oui. Mm-hmm. God, yes. and it has a very good reviews so mm. um yeah hopefully yeah the schwab i've heard only only good things about the schwab's writing so i'm very excited to read one of her books because i've never read a book that was written by her so this will be cool. my first the schwab awesome i'm excited i'm excited well final thoughts paris um I don't have access to the show um, because it is on streaming services that I don't pay for. But I feel like because I am me, I will not be able to resist, and I will I will get access to that show because I want to see what the, the choices they made. A discovery of witches show. Yes, because they made the show just recently, mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right. This book was written in 2011. Maybe they would have recognized some of the things and, like, the dialogue that Matthew says that is not necessarily the best dialogue. Maybe let's change it. I'm hoping that they change it. I'm, I'm interested to see how they would portray his character on TV as someone that you would fall in love with. <laughs> yes. So, yes. So I I really want... I want to watch it. I, I, I will probably... I don't know how I'm gonna get a hold of it unless I actually pay for a streaming service. I could probably, probably pirate it somewhere. <laughs> Just kidding! I never do that. That's bad. We don't, don't do that. Pirate Nor things. do we illegally download books. Absolutely not. We condemn that sort of action. Shame on you if you do that. Bad. <laughs> it's never a victimless crime. You've seen the preview. We use. It's like that criminal slide. At the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning of like every DVD in the two thousands. Yes, it was like, and like the music's really loud. It's like hardcore, like metal. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is no. This the same commercial. What are you talking oh. about? Oh, oh, I'm thinking about a commercial. Oh. You're thinking about the pirating oh. slide. I know what you're yes. talking about. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. It was it's like, like the fucking. Pirating. You wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> you wouldn't rob a bank. Why would you watch in a movie that or a movie that you didn't pay for? Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you hate? One. Do you like killing babies? Is that what you? <laughs> would oh you? God. Would you? I don't know. Curb stomp a grandma? <laughs> <laughs> this copy of Finding Nemo should have been paid outright from the blockbuster. <laughs> you piece of shit, scum of the earth, pirater. And I was like, pirates. He's like pirating. Um, What's that? Yeah. No, I was just thinking of that like blue slide where it's like on for like half a minute, and it's like you will be fucking. You'll be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. law. You'll be fined and upwards of hundred thousand dollars if you were caught replicating this and previewing it to other people for any other reason other than watching it in your home right now. You piece of shit. (laughs) <laughs> it says that on that one too. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so don't pirate. 
Um, yes. Don't do that. But but I, I do want to hear about the show. Maybe I will watch uh, the first episode of the show as well. We'll have to find where it is available and yeah. uh, obtain it legally. Yes. So yes. we shall see. Yeah, let's check it out. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Well, I'm glad that we finally got to review this book. Um, Me too. You know, they're not all winners, and I think we have um, very high expectations, especially with um, our Lord and Savior, Sarah J. Mass, more <laughs> active on Instagram, and I think about her all the time, and so therefore I think about her books all the time, and so it's hard not to compare when you've had something so good. We've tasted and seen that delicious, delicious writing. And yeah, it's hard. It's hard to go back to mediocre. Once you have the best. <laughs> Damn. Ay, ay, ay. Well, fuck. It's been a blast. I've had a great time roasting poor Deborah Harkness. <laughs> Sorry, Deborah uh, Harkness, if you hear this. I'm sure that you're a wonderful person, but maybe yes. include more dynamic uh, characters that are people of color. How about that? But if you don't like that and you like white savior complex and you like domineering men who um, kind of disrespect the ladies that they're with and claim ownership of them, this is the book this for is you. This the book for you. No shame, ding, ding, baby. Ding. Honor what you're into. Know thyself <laughs> and don't apologize for it. To okay? thy own self be true. Yes. Uh, this may be the book for you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, follow us on Instagram at Fantasy Time Podcast uh, or send us an email Fantasy Time Podcast leave at a review dot com please for God's sake leave a good review it helps so <laughs> much our highest um, viewed episode our most viewed episode is an upwards of I think 120 views which is amazing so thank you so much thank you yeah, who's been listening. Um, positive That's reviews awesome. really do help. Um, and it tells iTunes that we are worthwhile. Um, yeah. That's all we have to say about that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fantasy Time. Thank you. I love you, Paris. I love you too, Fleen. Bye. Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, they'd be like, it only would take a really powerful witch to resurrect asshole 420 or whatever the fuck <laughs> asshole 420 yeah that's it <laughs>